We're going to talk about your attitude. And the thing of it is, is you know what? How many of you will agree that your atmosphere that you're in will sometimes decide your attitude for you? Liars. Really? I got news. Crystal, I see you and Jason sitting there. In this. That's what you were at a football game too. Going, yes, that's my boy. I done. Wait, I bet you screamed once or twice, didn't you? Huh? You actually raise your voice? Like, right? Huh? Go, baby, go! Uh-huh, no, no. Stop it. You get excited when somebody, you, know, you understand what I'm saying? Your, your, your atmosphere, you wouldn't, you know what's funny? I wish. Anybody in this thing ever been to a, a, a college football game or, or a high school football game and got a little rowdy? Got a little rowdy? Got a little, <laughs> you know, when we're playing Moapa, you know what I'm saying? Or uh, when Mesquite's getting whooped. <laughs> Yay, team, right? You get a little bit, you get a little bit excited. Yeah, yeah, I wish you came to church like that. Why? I got news that that, uh, that 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 football team you're watching, even even that curly-headed nappy boy out there running around, he he didn't save you, but you can't get excited about the one who did. Thought, just a thought. You know, I'm gonna have y'all do a Bible study with me today. Is that all right? I'm gonna kind of explain. You may, you may understand the way my brain works. It ain't normal. <laughs> Wrong moment. <laughs> so, what I'd like y'all to do is turn to Philippians chapter 1. Okay? You got a Bible. I've seen them. Now you got to figure out where Philippians is. Half of you are going, is that even in there? Here's the thing. I want you to go to Philippians chapter 1. You see, there's a scripture... Uh, on the 121 where Paul says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. I actually heard somebody the other day go, suicide's in the Bible because Paul was suicidal. Huh? He said that to die was better. Can I tell you a secret? We're going to talk about this a little bit. But do you know it is? When you're a Christian, to die is better. If you know Jesus Christ, tell me that living on streets of gold in a mansion with a crystal lake is not better than going to work tomorrow morning. I'm not telling you we all going to come in and drink the Kool-Aid and go tonight. I'm telling you that when he takes me, I'm ready and it's going to be better than where I'm at. You see, there's a difference. That was cool. (laughs) I just bunny hopped in my wheelchair. Here's the thing. There is a difference of wanting to be with heaven because I got news. Being with my Savior is what I'm drawn to. I am drawn to go home. That is normal. That's normal. 
You see, we used to we used to have a lot of horses. At one point in time, I was horse broke. I had fourteen horses, and that was stupid. But my son was into rodeo, and he had a horse to do this with, a horse to head with, a horse to heel with, a horse to do uh, shoot dogging, a horse to do bulldogging, a horse to. I mean, he had a horse for everything. He had a horse just to go horsing around on. That one didn't make much sense. But what happened was we had a lot of horses. You know what? We had this one horse, long-legged Jake. Boy, his name was Cody. This thing was 17 and a quarter hand tall. He had a big old horse, right? And the thing of it is he was fast. And he decided we're going to go on a trail ride, Dad. So they saddled up and they went out on a ride. And he kept trying to turn around. They yanked that rein and get him going in the right direction. And when they got to the end of their ride and they turned around, the race was on. That horse knew where home was. And it went with everything it had going that way. Pulling, yanking, pulling. Didn't matter. He put that head down just like that. You pull him right. And he was like, I'm going to home. It's called a barn sour horse. And I thought, we need to shoot that thing. <laughs> ain't no need of having it. It ain't worth nothing. Now, if I take him out somewhere, we could be a mile and a half away. And he go, what? You stupid, trying to get home. I thought, wait a minute. It's kind of the way I feel when it comes to heaven. It is. You see, Alan was talking about while we were up there, we seen people that were in dire situations. Miss Daisy, I prayed for her this morning when I woke up. And I never had the opportunity to meet her. Uh, her personally, I talked to her, Mark, her husband, but I didn't get to talk to her. And the thing of it is, though, when you see somebody fighting to stay alive, I look at Paul. This, I want to go through, and we're going to study a little bit, all right? And the reason being is because I want you to understand what he was trying to say here. You see, in, in, the, in, the, in the book of uh, Philippians, uh, it, the apostle Paul, was, he was writing to the church of Philippi. And he is talking to the church, and in, in verses 1 through Eight, Paul opens with a greeting telling them how much he misses them and how much he yearns to be with them and how much he uh, wants to, to be with them. You see, what happens is when you start to become family, you see, my brother Alan went to Mexico. Normally, it was like, dude, we talk every other day. We text each other every day. We do all that stuff. But he was just, you know, two miles down the road. Then all of a sudden, he wasn't two miles down the road anymore. He was across the border in another, in another country, and I wasn't able just to say, hey, I'll meet you. Can I come over to the house? Can, hey, can you, why don't you come over and help me do Hey, why don't we? We wasn't there anymore. And all of a sudden, I was drawn. I needed to be there. Anybody ever been away from your loved one long enough to where all of a sudden your desire is, I need to be with them? 
where Paul was. He was going, hey, y'all, I need to be there. Do you know why? Because family does what? Supports you, strengthens you, protects you, nurtures you, and gives you a sense of being. You see, there's a purpose for meeting together in a church. If you came here for me to baffle you with brilliance, <laughs> you got hosed. Because <laughs> it ain't going to happen. Because I ain't a brilliant feller. But I will tell you what. If you came here to learn more about God and become cohesive with each other, you know what I love about what's going on Sunday nights? Do you know... You know, it's crazy. You know, we've been coming here for almost, almost over a year. And do you know what I've seen since the women's Bible studies started? Unity. Strength. Security. Do you understand what I'm saying? This is what Paul was saying. Y'all, I need to be there with you, right? And then he goes into to talk about, you know, in, in uh, the next few scriptures, he starts to talk about 12 through 14. He starts talking about his current situation. How many of you have ever been in a situation you're like going, this ain't good. You know, my son uh, went to Leavenworth. He served some time there. <laughs> Thankfully, as a correctional officer and not an inmate. <laughs> but he came home with a new appreciation for his faith. And you see, as a father, I saw things. I saw that all of a sudden he was calling me instead of me calling him. Uh, I, Dad, can I FaceTime you? You get it? He was gone. His current situation wasn't great, right? Paul was, listen, he's imprisoned, right? And, and he was trying to talk to the church and let them know, hey, I'm okay. You know, it's funny. My brother Alan, he was down in Mexico. Shan, when you called and talked to your daddy, he was like, this is terrible. This is just rotten. He was like, no. Did he like tell you, baby, everything's good. Huh? He told you everything. Was, you know what? He, trust me. He had a pick line in his, in his hand, and those hurt. I don't care who you are. When they put them needles in your hand, I'm the only one in here and go, what, really? Does it hurt? <laughs> I can't feel my hands. The thing of it is, <laughs> it was like everybody laughing. Yeah, I, I actually, I had a nurse going, well, so, mister. <clears throat> and, she, and I went, I told you I can't feel my, you really can't feel your hands. <laughs> no, and I can't feel my legs either. You got a knife? <laughs> it's fun. <laughs> Party tricks. Here's the thing. You know what? He wasn't always great. There were times when Alan was there when he felt the pressure of what he was going through. But he knew he 
was okay because he was in God's hands. So what he did was he, when he spoke to anybody, let me tell you how good things are. And you know what? Because they were good. When you look at things through the eyes of God, it's good. There were people in the same place getting the same treatment in the same dire straits that Alan was in that didn't have the same outlook. Why? Because they don't have the hope of eternal life. So you know what happens? Is that, oh man, this is terrible. My hand hurts. They just cut a breakfast burrito at your chest. You're worried about a thing in your hand. Shut up. Here's the thing. If you start concentrating on the little bitty things that are beating you up right now in this life, guess what? You ain't never going to be healed. Because the little things ain't what it is. You take care of the big thing and the little things go away. You see, Paul was wanting the church to know, hey, I'm okay. Yes, I'm in prison. Yes, but you've got to understand where he came from. You see, in 19 through 20, you see that, that he sets up to die his gain statement because he suffered so much in his ministry already. Do you understand in Paul's ministry, I'm going to read this because I don't want to miss anything. He was beaten. He was stoned. He was hated. He was derided. He was shipwrecked. And now he's imprisoned. Man, he got a lot to thank Jesus for, don't he? You see, your attitude and the way you look at life right now here is what's going to decide how it goes for you. I know some of you don't realize I'm in a wheelchair, but I am. I could concentrate on a wheelchair and how many things I can't do anymore. Do you know what is nice is my brother Alan, he's got this, he's got a motorcycle. It's a little bitty motorcycle. It's called an Indian. And it's got like beautiful big and it's like... Yeah. I used to ride those. Now, if I got on one, I'd be good as long as I was moving. If I stopped, pass out on the ground and bikes on the dirt. Not smart. Not going to do that, right? Don't concentrate on what you can't do. Concentrate on what you do. You see, the reason Alan was able to to go in, he, he, he was exactly right. He walked into that place going, Jesus afforded me a way to get here. I wonder, Shannon, sometimes if we attack life, do you know the best thing about being in a wheelchair? I get good parking. Not only that, my wife is the happiest woman in the world. You know why? How many women in here get to push your husband around all day long and him not get complaining about it? <laughs> how you look at things is how you're going to react to things, isn't it? 
You see, Paul was here. He was in prison. And guess what? Here's what he had to say. You see, he's already knowing that what he was going through wasn't necessarily for him, but it was to further the word of God. There's a young lady, her name's Sydney. Do you know when we were down there and Lisa said, can we pray for you? Her face was, okay. I don't know anybody ever prayed for her before. So when we went over, I said, you know, in the Bible it says, if you're afflicted, have the daughters of church come and anoint you with oil and pray with you and you will be healed. So that's what we're believing and that's what we're going to do. And we anointed her with oil and we prayed over her. And Alan's right. Her face completely changed. It went from, ooh, this thing is burying me to, I got a chance. You see, Alan, I've known, doesn't need God to prove these God to Alan. He already knew it. He's already serving him. He's led hundreds of thousands of people in worship to God. And you can sit there and go, why? Would God allow this to happen to Alan? Because it's not for Alan or about Alan. You see, we're so self-absorbed, we think everything's about us. I happen to know, just for the week that I went to Mexico, I watched Alan and his wife, Lisa, Mark and Daisy. We're praying. They had dinner. They prayed. Sydney, we prayed. Yolanda, we prayed. I know of five to six people that they ministered to while being fixed. Does that make sense? I go to get fixed. But yet I'm ministering because when you walk into a situation understanding that it's not all about you, life is not all about you, it's about him. When you turn that around, then guess what? When you're in the middle of a battle, when things suck, you can stand there and say, but God. You see, we... We have our whole lives. Do you know what we're here for? We're here to bring glory to God. That's why you're here. You're here to bring glory to God. Now, there are responsibilities that you have. You have to raise your children correct, right? You have to have a job. You have to put food in their face. Trust me, some of them more than others. But what I'm trying to tell you is this. Your attitude, your attitude will dictate sometimes how you handle your situation. I've said it before. When I got put in this wheelchair, after 
I, I just went to go bring sexy back, Trina. You know, that's all I wanted. I just wanted to get skinny. I wanted to be healthy. That's what I wanted. The same surgery Trina had, I had. And when they pulled the machine out, they clipped me. And I was bleeding to death. And they didn't know it. I brought sexy back. I just didn't know I was going to have to sit down and not be able to show y'all. You see, there's a whole lot of things. Is why didn't it? But I'm not going to get upset. It's funny. Me and my wife were talking about this the other day. Three years ago, I was a varsity football coach. Took my team to playoffs too. Yeah, we got wiped. And then um, I'm talking. <laughs> wasn't even. We shouldn't have showed up. Uh, we were. We could have stayed in the bus and had a better score. And then we took, we took a, I was a varsity soccer coach. For the first time in our school history, won a Valley title, went to state playoffs, where we once again got wiped. Whew, bad. I was fairly active. I was... Maintenance director of the junior high. Went in to get sexy. Lost it all. So let's all mourn for what I could have had. Or am I going to sit there and say, let me tell you what Jesus has done in my life. He opened up an opportunity for me. We had to move. Because see, I've got a hose that hangs out of my belly button right here that pumps fluid in and out of me. It's what keeps me alive every night. Ten hours a night, I have to hook up to a machine that takes everything into my body and empties it out and puts it back in. It's called dialysis. I do it ten hours a day, seven days a week. And you know what's funny? I thank Jesus for a hose hanging out of my stomach. You know, every day I, I, I walk around the house, I'm touching stuff. My wife's so upset. She's like, wash your hands because we got a brand new house and there's already handprints going down the wall. I'm like, it's time to get you some darker brown. That's all I'm saying. Because <laughs> falling down ain't in my option, William. I was like, no, happened. But the thing of it is, you've got to understand, you can sit there and tear things apart. But let me tell you what Jesus Christ did in my life. He moved me to the desert. And some of you are going, oh, sorry. No, let me tell you. At first, my wife, she was not happy about being in the desert at all. Until God started opening the doors that he brought me to. And I met Alan, and I met Shannon, and I met Kelly, and I, you understand what I'm saying? And then I came to Overton, and we did Round Mountain, and we started building a ministry, and the church opened up, and we're starting to do all these things. And you know what? None of that would have happened
I've seen souls saved. I've seen healings that I had never been privy to if I was in control. What Paul was doing was trying to let you know, yeah, everything I do in life is to do nothing but bring God glory and to further the ministry of the gospel. Can you say that? Can you say that you can wake up and say everything you do is to promote the gospel? You can. Do you know my son is a correctional officer? And do you know that my son, right, is with some of the best, nicest people in the world? They are there to have a party. Said no one ever. You know what? Not only can he have an opportunity in a bad situation to be the light into somebody in that cell, but the people that he works with has seen a difference in his mentality also. And what happens is everything you do, if you do it with the intention of bringing glory to God, God will bless it. It's when you do things to bring glory to yourself that you're on your own. True. You're getting ready to play a football game this Saturday. If you went out there to be the star and you did things just to show that you're, I got moved up to varsity because I'm all that in a bag of chips, you know what's going to happen? They put a target on you. And you know what ends up happening? you on a stretcher. I've seen the longest yard. <laughs> when you make it about yourself... They come after you. If you make it about God, they're going to go, wait a minute. <laughs> I don't think I want to fight that guy. You get it? Paul's trying to tell you, listen, everything. You know what? To die, I know if I die today, if the Lord snapped his fingers and said, I want you. You know what I'm going to be doing in the next thing? I'm going to be praising my Savior face to face. That's not a bad deal. You know what? I'm not going to be in a wheelchair. And I'm going to feel totally naked because my hose is missing. I don't need it. To die is to gain. When he wants you. Do you understand that? When it's your time to dice the game. So what that does is it gives me the freedom. Paul had the freedom to understand that through everything he was going through, God was going to use it for his glory. Alan, we didn't want to go back. We prayed about it. We felt kind of funky about it. We had all kinds of conversations about it. Why would we go back? 
you know what? The thing of it is, is I don't know that you're going back for you. You may be going back there specifically for somebody that God's put in your way. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to believe that no matter what happens, it's going to be bringing glory to God. And it's going to be because of your attitude, because of what you feel, because of the security you know that no matter what happens, God has still got in control. Then you know what? You're able to go into a situation when everybody else is miserable and say, let me tell you about Jesus. You can do that in school. You're in the football team. You're doing it in your job. But you got to stop thinking it's all about you. Right? I ask you a question. You care for your mama? Somebody come in to go take a swing at your mama, you're going to try to get in the way? You know why? It's going to hurt you. Sometimes you'll take a shot to keep your mama safe, right? Why is it that we choose, we, we try to pick and choose when we're going to make it about something that's supposed to be about instead of ourselves? That makes sense to you? Why is it that you think you're in control so much that you can decide, well, today's about Jeffrey? In fact, I'm going to name today Jeffrey Day. <laughs> and everybody that meets Jeffrey will be nice to Jeffrey. Give him things. Take him places. What? That's what you pretty much are doing to God. Today's about me. It ain't about you. How many times you sit before God and pray to God and say, me, 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 give me, give me, give me. I want, I need, I need, I need. How many times you do that when you should be going, what can I do for you? I pray every morning when I wake up, God, put somebody in front of me that I can witness to. Make it not about Jeffrey. And remind me it's all about you. You see, everybody, anybody in here not know who Paul was? Pretty much all know who Paul was. Did anybody know he wasn't beaten and imprisoned and stuff? Huh. Anybody in here ever felt like you've been beaten? Anybody in here ever felt like it's too much for you to handle? You know, Paul actually said at one point in time, I'm burdened unto death. Because sometimes life can get too heavy for you. Back up and remember. It's not all about you. But your attitude can affect somebody else. See, I, I had the same kind of a situation that Alan had. If you ever want to see depressed people, go to a dialysis clinic. I watch people 
every day that I went in there coming in to die. And I walked in, I went, what's up? And they're like, they ain't never heard anybody act like that. And I go, hey, everybody, guess what? I'm here to get my oil changed. <laughs> and the nurse goes, you're going to have to settle down. I go, why? There are people here that are dying. I go, well, then I don't want to go in there. She goes, shh, I know. I'm here to get some life put back in me. Suck this bad stuff out, put the good stuff in, change my oil, let me go do my business. You know what's funny? You can ask my wife. We were at the hospital one night, and we were, I don't even remember why I was there. Oh, I was there because something was, yeah, my, my, uh, I had a CVC, and it popped out, and I was, like, having to hold my carotid artery because I was bleeding to death until they got there to fix it. And we get there, and, and this, this guy comes in, and I didn't know who he was. He's all tatted up and everything, and he goes, preacher! I'm like, yeah. He goes, what's up? And I said, ah, my thing fell out, man. They're going to put another one in me. He goes, bro. He goes, that's epic. He goes, you said, how are they going to change your oil? And then I was like, "Ah, this guy knows me from there. I go, what's up? He goes, dude, God healed me. They're taking this stuff out. My kidneys started working. I said, really? He goes, yep, I'm going back tomorrow. I'm going to walk in. I'm going to go, don't need no oil. You can affect somebody else and not even know with your attitude if you have the right attitude and understand it's not about you right now. It's okay to not be happy with where you're at. Right? It's okay to not be happy with the way it's going. Don't let it control you. Don't let it control you. You've got to be able to smile every once in a while and say, maybe this is for somebody else. Maybe I'm supposed to be that spark. Maybe God's using me as a tool to further his kingdom. Maybe, wake up. Maybe... Well, I do. I'm telling you, video games are the death of people in the front row. Here's the thing. Maybe I'm supposed to be the one that goes out and makes the catch and then turns around and say, thank you, Jesus. And everybody goes, why is he doing that? Because God's the one who gives you the ability. You don't. Everybody asked me when my son was growing up, what are you, stupid? You got your, your son is missing his left lobe. He had seven brain surgeries and you're letting him ride bulls? Uh, it's a special kind of stupid. And I told my dad, he was, he was the one who was telling me I was pretty kind of stupid. And I told him, Dad, how do I know? God saved him for a purpose. How do I know he's not supposed to be the first one to win the PBR and stand up and say, let me tell you what Jesus Christ did in my life. How did I know? And uh, that wasn't it. <laughs> nope. He came to me at 13 years old and said, Dad, I'm done. I go, why? And he goes, I was talking to Austin, which 
he was a, he's a bull rider. It was really good. And we were at the PBR. And Austin was 24 years old and said, yeah, I'm one of the old men. And he goes, Dad, I ain't going to make enough money in nine years. I'm done. I go, what do you want to do? I think I want to wrestle. <laughs> That's awesome. They didn't have a wrestling team. So you know who taught the wrestling team? 365 pound me. You want to see funny? You watch me try to not fall on a on, a, on a eighth grader. <laughs> we could have lost a few. <laughs> I'm just saying, I was a big old hoss. <laughs> and I'm thinking, this is stupid. My dad said, "You're so stupid." And I said, "Wait, let me tell you something, Dad. How do I know he's not supposed to be the one who sat there and says, let me tell you how come I won't stay? Because Jesus Christ fixed my head that nobody else said. I'm not even supposed to be alive. Let me tell you.' Nope, that wasn't it." He came to me and said, Dad, I don't want to do that no more. <laughs> they touch you, hmm, and they're like sweaty. Nope, we're done. I'm like, great. Now what do you want to do? Because you know video games is not an option at my house. We don't own them. I think I want to do martial arts. <laughs> what? Three years later, third degree black belt six-time world champion. And my dad's like, they kick him in the head. And I go, oh, not really. <laughs> He's kicked a lot of them in the head. <laughs> Knocked a bunch of kids out. Mm -hmm. What if they hit him in the head? <laughs> He'll learn to move. <laughs> <laughs> but his brain is fixed by God. That's what we claim. How do I know that he's not supposed to be in Rio in 2016 in the Olympic team telling people when he got a gold wrapped around his neck and the flag is above his head screaming, let me tell you what Jesus Christ did for me. How did... Nope, that wasn't it. <laughs> then God moved us to the desert. And he got a job at Front Sight Firearms training people how to go pew pew. It was pretty good. Started training SWAT officers and, and different people. And I thought, how do I know? I don't know. <laughs> Turn 21. Got a job as a correctional officer. He needed the toughness from rodeo, the grappling ability from wrestling, the self-defense moves and the able to, to, to deflect and defend himself from Taekwondo and firearm. Long way around. What if I would have stopped the process halfway through? thinking it was all about me or all about him. I happened to know he was able to witness to one of his friends when they were in Leavenworth who wanted to go out to a party. And they went to, he's like, dude, that's not my scene. I'm not going. And he goes, yeah, dude, just take me because I don't want to drive and I'm going to get hammered. And he said, all right, I'll drop you off. I'll pick you up, make sure you're on work on time. They got there, and, he, and the guy was like, dude, just come in. Let me just see what it's like. It's pretty banging. 
And he said he got outside of the Jeep and the Holy Spirit quickened him. Nope. He goes, nope, something's off. I don't feel it. I'm staying here. I'll just, just, you know what, just go. You do your thing. But no, I'm not going in there. Something's not right. Before he could get out of the parking lot, four shots rang out. Four feet away from his friend that he just dropped off. Somebody pulled a gun and started shooting. He got back in the car and he's like, drive, 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 drive. And they're taking off and they're ripping out of there. And he goes, how did you know, dude? How did you know? And he goes, the Holy Spirit told me not to. And he goes, what's this Holy Spirit thing? And he got to witness to somebody else that worked. Do you understand what I'm saying? Sometimes God puts you in positions that is not about you. If you're in the middle of something, it's okay. It's okay. I have my brother battling. I have my wife battling. Do you understand what I'm saying? I'm not battling. I'm just cruising. (laughs) I just want to let you know, if you're in the middle of something, it's okay. Remember, God wants nothing but good for you. You know what I'm saying, Crystal? You, you had a scare. But guess what? You stood. And you had faith. And you professed that faith. And what happens is somebody, through your process, is going to go, how did she have that? I need that. You get it? If you're in the middle of something, it's okay. No, that's not the end. It's part of the journey. And guess what? If you know him, if you know him, the end ain't scary. If you know him, the end ain't scary. So you know what I can do? I can walk around knowing that the end ain't scary. You get it? You see, the reason I don't walk around much, see, my legs work. Isn't that funny? How a cripple in a wheelchair. See, my legs work fine. The issue is I pass out. When I stand up, my blood pressure drops to about 40 over 10. And everything goes black like it is right now. And I usually fall down. But you know what? If I stand there long enough, if I stand there long enough, God says, I'm going to regulate you. See, the end ain't scary if you know who's protecting you. You know, the best part about being me, I got people, my son, as soon as I stood up, you know what my son did? My son scooted everywhere. I'm going to catch you. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> you know what? As soon as I stood up and started walking, I had my brother come up and push my chair. Well, if you go down, we're just going to hold right underneath the back end, right? What? What? You don't think you're in the same position when you're in the middle of it. God's standing there going, I got you. I just proved the point of my whole message right there. And you guys didn't even know you were part of it. <laughs> but you know what I did notice? Jason was like. <laughs> yeah, you know what? Yeah. No, he was going to. He, I, I seen his hands. His hand went just like this. You know what? That was called deflection mode. If I'm going to fall, you ain't following me, Hoss. I heard about the ace grader. 
We still ain't found him. Listen. Do you understand what I'm saying? Quit thinking it's all about you. And if you're in the middle of something, start praising God that somebody's going to see him through you.